Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all 7 continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good, thanks. Yes, I'm looking at you, John. Drink it. Are you drinking water? Is it going to start coming out the holes like in in the Carry On <laughs> films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My t-shirt's starting to get damp. Yes. How uh, how's your recovery doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, went into hospital uh, almost two weeks ago now and had um, the stripped stripped a big line of nerves out of the back of my right leg and them in my shoulder um and hopefully that means i'll be able to use my bicep and in, in a few months time so right now i'm just in a sling and i can't really move my right arm for for another two weeks which is frustrating um i can't really do a lot at the moment but re- recovering and very lucky to to uh, for it only to be as as um well not a simple fix but lucky lucky that it wasn't any worse put it that way that's still a fair bit of damage though isn't it yeah, so the one in my leg was was um, pretty much fine. It just went through the muscle and back out. But the one in my shoulder um, basically snapped the nerve that goes to my bicep. So, but I mean, the doctor, the guy in um, in a glass oil, brilliant, brilliant doctor. Uh, he kind of said if it had been a centimeter further over, I'd have been fine. Uh, but if it had been the other side, I would have died of blood loss from being hit in the artery so got to take the positives yeah we'll come on to that it's 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 like pros and cons is <laughs> the pro being that you're still alive the yeah. con being that that the shoulder for paddling is quite an important quite an yeah. important part of your body yeah same. yes and, and ian welcome thank you Yes, no, thank you. It's an absolute honour that you've come on the show. Friends at home, John and Ian, both former Royal Marines, um, there they were paddling down the Amazon one day, as you do, uh, when they got attacked by uh, drunken pirates um, and had a bit of a scrap. And if you're not aware, it's been all over the media. And uh, poor old John, in battling this pirate off, Got uh, managed to get winged twice, and um, before we um, go go into that part of the story, do you want to give us some background on your time in the corps? Yeah, sure. So um, I did eleven years, um, mostly just serving in sort of humanitarian stuff. So I was lucky or unlucky to uh, not sort of serve in any real war war torn terrain. Um, we, John and I, were sort of uh, landing craftsmen to kind of boat specialists and, and we met in the Indian Ocean um, and the other did 11 years and, and John did roughly nine I think and uh, was that the anti-piracy stuff you were you were doing when you met it was um it's Diego Garcia so it's um it's a little bit of a touchy subject politically because it's uh you know kind of um, the native people from the islands were kind of ousted out of them for i guess global security if you like but a, an american global security but it's it is what it is and there's uh yeah not not much to comment on that really as to the right and wrongs yeah diego was always the the you know dream dream draft wasn't it well i mean it was when i served i left in 95 um it was it's military police seemed to get that draft for some reason was that the doing the customs role or something yeah that's it so they have the um lots of military police well not lots there's only i think 40 british personnel and roughly knocking on to 2000 american and a lot of the kind of filipino helpers um but uh we had the yeah, british police via the by the military and we had sort of general duties guys that would go over and help with the customs and then there were a few of us landing craftsmen that would um, basically operate the boats in the whole archipelago, which is roughly 500,000 square kilometres or something like that, um, square miles even. And we would go around and kind of police the islands, make sure there's no illegal fishing. So it's an incredible um, nature going on there. It's just you know amazing in being able to snorkel and then 
walk across the islands and you know, try and stop these sort of illegal fishermen. So that was that was an amazing part of the job. And is it um, is it the Indian Ocean or am I, am I miles off? It is, yeah, yeah, in the Indian, Indian Ocean exactly. Yeah, so did... your uh, left shoulder, pretty much in your left armpit at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me start pointing. I always get it wrong. Is it like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, folks? All right. Yeah, Yes. And John, um, how was your time served? Good, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I ended up uh, in three years GD, which was a bit frustrating. Uh, I was trying to get an LC course straight away because I always loved being out in the water and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So I got pretty frustrated early on in my career. And then uh, once Diego, which is the still is the, the draft to get, once that was out of the way, I was kind of ready to, to leave. But I had, a, I had a nice time. It was great. Met a lot of really good lads. Um, and I guess I wanted a, a career in which I could go on expeditions. I, you can't really do that within the core and, and go away for six months, um, you know, and have and make your own decisions within that six months. So that's that's why I ended up leaving. There's a definite thing, isn't there? Blokes that serve, they say the actual average term is seven years. That's what I did. But I think 7 to 11, it it captures those people that want the experience of being in the Marines and the challenge and, and a, you know, travel the world a bit, see things go bang. Um, but then they want to, there's a lot of other stuff they want to do in their life. Is it something like that? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I don't want to, I, I feel like I'm maybe downtrodden a bit there. Like it was, it was an amazing eight, eight and a half years. Um, but like purely through meeting the lads, like the bootnecks that you meet, and then you go on from that and end up doing expeditions with somebody like Jan. And so, yeah, I was just kind of, I, I suppose I'd had my time, and there was there was also nothing going on at the time between 2013 and 21 when I left. Very little for the core to do during that time. So I guess a lot of lads were kind of just waiting for it for something to kick off and it and it never did and I, I thought that was time to time to make something kick off myself. <laughs> and that was guys the, can the can you explain the Yan the Yan thing as opposed to the Ian? I don't know. I guess from a, a sort of teenage or young age, some people would call me Yan as in you know, if I'm in France I get called Yan if, if you know wherever I go around the world, saying Ian tends to be a pain in the ass unless you're kind of Gaelic <laughs> yeah, no, I just realised I've seen it different on different the different websites that I've been reading. What what do you prefer? Because I was, I was as your host, I'll stick with that. Oh no, you um, well, you started with Ian, so go with that. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I'll answer to both. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we use Royal a lot, isn't it? <laughs> then you can't go wrong. I do. <laughs> yes, and so um, what what. Other expeditions have you have you done, or what what led to the build up to this one? Well, this is this is Summit to Sea's first major expedition. Um, however, we did different British rivers from their highest sources as a lead up to it, but these were only like two or three day expeditions. Um, so yeah, this is I mean this is the first major expedition. So we're both you know in slightly uncharted territory, but through you know a lot of good training in the core and both of us being outdoorsmen and uh, having the right people in the right place it meant that we were we were already in a very good position to tackle this expedition and get it done and we were in the process of doing that and in dealing with all the environmental um problems that could have arised we were we were smashing it um up until the unfortunate incident happened so yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty pleased that although this was the first expedition we were we were doing, we were on track. Sea uh, to summit. Did I get that right? Summit. Uh, summit sorry, summit, summit to sea. <laughs> that 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 makes more sense, doesn't it? Um, we're, we're LCs. It's a lot easier for us to just to go downhill. <laughs> we want it to start at the top and and then just slowly go down. <laughs> That's like when I ran from John O'Groats to Land's End. I. I'll, downhill all the way. Easy I was going to say, who who wants to do it uphill? That didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so your website, friends at home, summit to see dot org dot uk. The charity was Royal Marines charity. 
Yeah, so in, initially um, we wanted to support Royal Marines Charity, um, who need no introduction. Uh, RV1, who is a friend of ours from the Royal Marines, that um, you know they help they help with mental health issues with people in the in the southwest and Rainforest Concern also who um, fight to protect rainforests globally. Um, and then once we'd started the expedition, we wanted to then support a local charity. But I can come on to that a bit later because that's that's more more. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you now. It's it's a, a charity called the Peru Mission who aim to get into like um, far-reaching corners of Peru and um, provide educational facil- facilities in communities, which will hopefully stop these kids going into illegal uh, activities like piracy, like illegal logging, mining. Um, so yeah, after this ex- accident happened, we we decided that they'd be a good charity to support. To support, considering we've seen some of the troubles out there now. Mm. And um, dr- drugs is big in that part of the world as well, is it not? The the coca leaf. Yeah, yeah. So between Peru and Colombia, I think that's where most of the cocaine um, comes from. That globally, uh, I guess. So there are a lot of cartels out there. So we hear, but. But actually, I'm not sure if they really bother with tourists and they've got bigger fish to fry. So I'm not sure if we encountered them. I think it was more just simple um, poor poor people that wanted to um, steal our things and sell them. I think that's probably how we saw it. Yes, yes. So let's, um, let's talk about the logistics. So wh- why did you come up with this idea? Or how how did you end up coming up with this or settling on this this mission? So it was my dad actually that that uh, had this idea. He was a uh, well established climber back in the sixties and seventies, and he was doing a mountain called Hondoy in the uh, Cordilla Blanca region of the Peruvian Andes. Uh, he was leading that expedition, and on that he met some people who had told about. Chimborazo being the highest source of the Amazon, and then he went in, down into the Amazon and travelled through through parts of it on his way home from that expedition. So he had this in his head, being a climber, that imagine doing this great river from its highest source. Um, and then two years ago, when I was leaving the core, he sort of saw that I needed a project, so he he passed that one on to me because he he'd never had the chance to do it due to many other exciting projects that he he ended up doing. But yeah, from there I I looked at it. Um, and and I was just captivated by it. like Chimborazo, this the summit of Chimborazo is the closest point on Earth to the Sun, and it also feeds the Amazon River, which is the greatest river on the planet by far. The next seven biggest rivers combined don't put as much fresh water into the oceans as the Amazon does. So it's a you know it's an amazing river, and the highest point on the planet of the Earth is the source of is a source of it. So what a journey to to go from that point to the to the end point, and that that was our goal. Am I getting confused here? Was there a chap that walked it? Was, was yeah, oh, that that was yeah. a TV program, wasn't it? Many 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 people have have um, in different ways they have completed the Amazon from its longest source. So Ed Stafford's by far probably the most impressive. Spent I think like eight hundred and something days you know, macheting his way through the rainforest through, you know, in incredibly tough conditions compared with us floating, floating down. What he did was, was an amazing achievement, but that, and that was from a different starting point. So uh, he was coming from South Peru, whereas we were coming from South of Ecuador. So we were, we were doing it from the highest source. He's doing, he, he has already done it from the longest source. And is it, sorry, I wrote this, uh, Belém, is that the, was that your desti- de- destination? Yeah. yeah. So is that what's that east of Brazil? Or that is yeah east uh, east coast Brazil yeah north Brazil north no, yeah north north okay I'm just trying to get the geography in my head and yeah Ed Stafford he he had, and he encountered a few challenges on that did he not I mean he had the bot fly in his head. And he had to get a bit of super glue on a stick and stick it to the bot fly and, and pull the bloody thing out. And it was yeah. like about a little evil little thing about that, that big that he'd had in his, in his head for a week. Yeah. Um, I get, I get shot and have to do that. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Didn't um, was it that expedition, or again, I might be confusing them. The one where he's with a chap, or he's a couple of chaps, and then we're walking along, and one of them just died. You- I'm not sure. I know. I know for a quite a. Um, oh no, sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not actually sure about that. Yes, yeah, friends at home. If you know the one, I'm, I'm. I just remember watching this documentary. Um, I feel feel sure it was that one, but he was walking along with his gun. The guy got just got heat stroke, and then the, the next thing you know, the chap just looks at the camera and says, "Right, so and so's just died." Um, not good. It's like, oh dear. Um, it's uh, did you did you have any safety concern? It's difficult, isn't it? When when you plan an expedition, it's hard for the mind to contemplate it it going wrong. And I've been on a few that have gone, you know, very wrong. You can say. Um, I mean, we. I went on a diving expedition to Antarctica, and our first dive, one of our dive buddies drowned, and it was just, yes. you know, you 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 just never. Well, you always think it's like possible, but you, you I don't know. We we never think it's going to happen to us, do we? You know. No, exactly. Exactly what what you said. You you know of the risks, but you assume that. It won't happen to you, and it's always about other people in the newspaper. So when yeah. things do happen, it's a bit of a shock, but you're also, hopefully, you're prepared for it. Yeah. Ian, what were, what were your sort of major concerns, or what did you want to get right before you left? Major concern, I think the we weren't we didn't really know how we were going to react to the altitude uh, going up Chimborazo. The, the other parts were, we weren't really concerned with the kind of... Um, two-legged problem we didn't really think that we thought it might be quite interesting meeting people and different communities but the i think before we left we were more concerned with being so remote and then possibly getting bitten by a snake Uh, i met a good friend of mine um a guy called liam schneider who's a fantastic doctor in glasgow he uh, came along for the the first chunk um in the mountains with us and um we went through a lot of skill, like, you know, drills with him and, and, and how to, and different drugs that he had, he had um, given us to help us out. But that was, I think, the forefront because the most likely situation was if one of us was bitten, we were pretty buggered um, other than paddling hard to get out of there and trying to keep someone cool and, you know, IDing the snake, etc. So the, the rest of it, kind of the heat side of it, as you're saying, we were pretty, pretty hot on it with the... Um, you know, having, having been LCs, being out in some pretty strong temperatures and around the world, no, we just need to constantly cool off as soon as you feel hot or, or bothered. Um, mm-hmm. And your attitude is a big teller. Like if you're feeling down or angry, you just need to cool off. And we we often, pretty much, nearly four or five times a day towards the towards the end of our um, you know episode, there we we were just jumping in the water just to cool off. You got the Ferdinands in that part of the world, is it not? One yeah. of the most poisonous. Yeah. It's only a tiny little thing. I mean, when it's curled up, it's no no bigger than a circle that big. But they're um, are they not one of the most poisonous snakes on the on the planet? Yeah, we were very lucky to um, <clears throat> met a, a mutual friend out in Peru in Iquitos, Um and he's actually got a, a sort of snake milking farm. He takes on any snakes that have been uh, disturbed or you know through if you've got a deforestation he'll, he'll take them on um johnny and i are lucky enough to go to his um his farm um with these snakes and actually hold the um Ferdinand snake and um a guy called fernando torres and uh yeah that was amazing so one of the i think i can't remember what this the name of this, the other one is johnny but it's um two of the most poisonous snakes in the world and, and i think the two most poisonous in south america so yeah yes if they got that little horn thing on their nose you just Stay the fuck away from it. <laughs> Stay away from it. <laughs> and um, uh, what about um, the actual transportation? Are, are, are you in separate canoes or are you in the same canoe? So it was it was canoes. The expedition started obviously with climbing the mountain and then we, we had about five days 
walking and then into the upper upper Pastaza. It's a very rough, um, big, big volume river, which takes which which comes out of um, Ecuador and goes into Peru. That was that was our route. So we were on uh, whitewater uh, rafts for two days because it was a, it was a better, more fun, and faster way of us of us getting down through a very remote part uh, region, basically. And then from then on, we had a guy um, from Salango Kayaks in, in Quito that custom made us two Canadian canoes. And you can't really find Canadian canoes out there, and they're what we were comfortable with. So we found this guy. He makes sea kayaks. He ended up cutting these sea kayaks right down the middle, widening them, um, making custom-made bows and sterns for them, uh, custom molds. Um, so that, that was brilliant. We had our we had our babies, like two two really nice uh, you know, custom made canoes. So we're really pleased with them. And we got just to the uh, close to the border, but still on the Ecuadorian side. And from then on, the water was flat. So we were able to take to the canoes. Hmm. And then for the next maybe month, month and a half, we were in two separate canoes. And then when we got to Iquitas, Ian and I sourced some, some local hardwoods and um, connect, basically built these two canoes into a catamaran so we could sit next to each other and chat away through the long days and and get breakfast on as we were going so yeah we were slowly developing as we went and it was a bit of a tip of the hat to the first um conquistador whichever went down in the amazon uh francisco de orellana for for him and his men to to survive they ended up building two big ships which were then seaworthy and they managed to sail them all the way down the amazon and up into the caribbean to to, after they were separated from an expedition, so we were—it was kind of us trying to do the same, like making our little our little boat. <laughs> and what um, what equipment? Do I'm guessing you took a mach- machete? Yeah, mach- machete, hatchet, pruning saw. I even took some secateurs, which were a complete waste <laughs> of space. But I just thought, you never know, I might do a spot of gardening one there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> yeah, we had some of that, and you get machetes everywhere there. You know, they're like uh, stop wearing a watch. Pretty much everyone carries a machete, which is you know, fair enough because I'm constantly in the bush hacking away. My son put this on my desk early. My son's eight. He loves his knife. <laughs> this, this is a pus. Is what? What is it? Like a parang, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I bought this ages ago. Um, at a bushcraft festival, it was like about six quid or something. I thought, I thought, got to just buy it, right? But the funny, ah, yeah, no. oh, there we go. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the machete that I bought in Ecuador, probably twenty years ago now, uh, which costs like two quid in the market, is way better than this shit. <laughs> You want a longer blade, and that's a lot heavier. Like most of the stuff you're going through is really thin. That's that's almost better for chopping a a, a thick branch than than uh like the, the the machetes that they have out there for for small stuff is are all bigger and a lot thinner metal. Yeah, I find when the the machete it it I can't really describe it, but you just you can get hell of a chop on it. <laughs> <laughs> it flies through the air. Um, and you see guys down there, don't you? They sharpen them so much that then they're no longer that fat. They 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 look like a carve, carving knife. Yeah. Uh, what about um malaria? Was that a well, concern? Shall, shall I continue on a, equipment briefly? Because we had um the, the watch I'm wearing now actually and the the uh, the Garmin uh, mini inreach were really important for us and and we were very fortunate when we were planning this. Um, I had a, an interview with Chris Tyso, who owns Tyso's, which is a big Scottish outdoor company uh, up, in, up in Scotland mostly. And he agreed to sponsor us for all of our equipment. So uh, we've got a huge, huge uh, thank you to, to Tyso's for giving us all of our equipment, which, which turned into really good clothing from Burghouse, footwear from Scarpa, uh, and, and the electronics and things from Garmin. So... We we're hugely fortunate with that, and without without that partnership, we probably wouldn't have been there yet. We'd have still been trying to get there. So, yeah, big big shout out to them. Seeing as seeing as we can here. Yeah. Yes, no, good effort. I mean, 
that's the funding and equipment is the two things that hold most expeditions back, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dream come true to have someone do all your kit for you. I'll take you a prompt on funding as well. Um, we did we did two fundraisers prior to it, and it was almost all of the funding has been through generous friends. Um, we we held auctions and we we um, put up a giving, and the friends in uh, Edinburgh and Exeter um, made this happen as well. That was all of our funding. We didn't have a private uh, cash sponsor, so it's just purely the great community around us that came together and enabled us to get out there. So thank you to everyone that donated. Yes, there's some kind people out there. It's also people see a good thing and, you know, I don't know, what do you call it? Adventuring by proxy. Um, so, yes, yes, good effort. Um, so, going on, you were asking about malaria. Side mm. of, uh, basically, we took Malaroon um, and that seemed to work fine for both, both of us. Um, we also had which we kept to one side because it's quite a dynamic use. Um, was it antibiotic? I think, yeah, the doxycycline. So we had that to one side um, just because we didn't want to be taking that every day in case we got another infection. And that's quite a decent decent way of clearing it out. So we had malarone and, um, uh, yeah, basically a very good, very comprehensive med kit. Um, and a lot of that, who, who's the, uh, the company that supplied that, Johnny? Can you remember? Sorry. So Liam, Liam, the the doctor, um, managed to get all of our med equipment from M and D Pharmacy. Um, so they supplied us a, a great big bag full of antibiotics and other bits and bobs. And then Master also supplied us with a lot of good stuff like mosquito nets and bandages and personal, um, uh, you know, small personal first aid kits with all the little little things that you'd need. What about painkillers, especially with with what happened to you? Did you have anything strong? We had some pretty strong stuff, which we, it was our kind of go-to because it. Um, I had some serious stomach cramps at one point. Uh, I looked like a, I just looked like a pale golem-like creature, like clawing out of this uh, pretty stinking barge that we were on to try and get down this dangerous part of the river, and um, my stomach was cramping to you know sort of next level, the pain that I'd rarely felt before. So um, I had some dehydrocodine, which was, um, which, yeah, proper knocks you out. It's great. Mm. And fortunately, I had that in my wash kit ready to go. Um, obviously, we're going to too much until you've asked the questions. I had an extra to the wash kit ready to go. So when um, eventually I took the pistol off Johnny and put it in there from the from the incident, I was like, oh, yeah, and take these, mate. <laughs> so I had a couple just to pop in his mouth, which uh, I think numbed it for him a little bit. Did the job for sure. <laughs> that's um, that's what we call DF-118s in the core, was it not? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're strong anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think we we were able to get quite a lot from, from uh, Liam, and he told us when to take them. But we had paracetamols and all the rest of it for other, other things, but these were definitely good for the more serious occasions and what about your sleeping arrangements almost all in hammocks the first the first um month maybe was was more intense um as we were up in the mountains and in in ecuador but as soon as we were onto the river it was finding trees or or buildings that we could sling our hammocks in and when you're making these transitions between the mountains and 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 the lowlands are you yeah had you stationed your different bits of kit along the route or did you take everything from the beginning basically our base was in a place called banos um and we'd met befriended a, a really nice guy who owns a hostel called montano was it montano hostel uh so he we were able to store all of our jungle kit with him and then go up into the mountains and then once we were basically going to be walking straight past him we could then switch the kit around and so we weren't having to carry everything up everywhere we were going and then once we'd finished the the mountain stage as well, two of the team members, Ben and Liam, were were going from separate points, so they were able to take a lot of our mountain kit away, leaving us with just what we needed for the forest. Mm. Like people are too busy these days, anyway. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to go on an expedition and get away from the sort of life lifestyle of just how we are always on our screens and yeah. you know flicking through things before you actually see if it's if it's worth worth being interested in. 
Um, but like if you have a, a tag like the Royal Marines, a lot of people are very interested in the Royal Marines. And, and if you've got a good story about the core, then you've that's where you found your listeners. So I suppose yeah. you need that headline. We wanted to talk about mental health before we went out um, as well. And that, like reiterating again, that's one of the re- one, probably the main reason that I wanted to do this expedition is because I'd gone through eight years looking for excitement in the core and not got as much as I'd wanted. Um, and I was pretty down. I just felt like I wasn't suited for this kind of modern life. So, well, I guess what I was saying in short is get off the screens and get out into the hills, and and uh, that's how you motivate yourself. You, 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 if you, I mean, if you can, and if and if you can't, um, hopefully you've got an opportunity to, for somebody to help you and take you there. But if you can get out there, get out there and do it because that's where all the motivation and the inspiration comes in from actually doing things yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that was the point I was making, isn't it? Is you get to the end of your life and you got you don't want to look back and think all I did was surf other people's heroics on YouTube. That mm. I actually got out there and made plans myself, and it doesn't have to be anything. Don't have to do what you guys are doing. No, but even just doing a parachute jump is like a massive thing for you know is a is a massive achievement, or running a half marathon, or whatever it might you know whatever it might be, but. Um, when you left, when you guys left the corps, did you have any challenges adapting to Civvy Street? No, not not. I didn't personally. I know a lot of guys do. Uh, I've always had a very strong friend base, uh, not just from from the Marines, but from from home as well. And I, I kind of had a bit of a an idea as to my purpose. Um, and I guess the challenges I was facing in the Marines weren't quite enough for me. And I was kind of looking for, looking for more, so I made my peace with that. Um, and sort of going on with with the mental health side of things, I think I was always going to push myself in some way, find find a challenge, find something to be you know scared about, rather than being scared of an email that comes up on your phone or you know worried about what the bloody neighbour thinks or you know. And this is so sort of endemic in our society today. Is, this this anxiety kind of festival that's going on, like I'm anxious of this, I'm anxious of that. And it's, you know, you should be anxious of, of things that, you know, anxiety is completely normal reaction to things, you know. Uh, you know, be anxious about coming on a podcast and worried how I might look and, and the rest of it. But, you know, to be to be anxious of a, a beep on your phone, you kind of got to put it into some perspective. Like you're going to need to go find a, find a challenge out there to then make you realise that all of that kind of admin and, and guess like social media and all that, all the technology out there now and, and the way we're kind of getting pushed is basically a load of bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be, if you, if you want to be anxious about something, go and get in the sea or you find a challenge or find, find something where you, you've got to rely on your wits and, you know, your, your body's getting a hammering and then, then go home and switch your phone off and, uh, and just chill out. You know, um, yeah, so, sorry, leaving leaving the core. No, uh, I was in a, quite a you know fortunate position basically, but I know, certainly know a lot of guys that have left and, and and do struggle for sure. Yes, yes. How about you, John? Yeah, well, I was very fortunate as well, as you said. A lot of people have left and really struggled with PTSD and and other things. Um, so I certainly didn't have that, but I was definitely down for for a couple of years after it but i don't attribute that to leaving the core i attribute that to something else like just to reiterate going on this expedition gets you out of that hole and or, or planning to do it gets you out of the hole and doing all the pre-expeditions leading up to this expedition that's what that's what makes you happy the the fizz releases the endorphins and you feel happier and you could, you're more motivated to do things in the evenings that aren't just scrolling or watching netflix you you've had your fizz and it makes you want to do blogs or I don't know things that are more important, or even just getting through, getting all your HMRC admin done or something. <laughs> At least you can do it on a bit of a buzz from having having done some some fizz. So, yeah, like I don't think my myself is suited to the modern life that we lead, like emails and all that stuff. So, if anything, I'm running away from that by doing expeditions. And if we can somehow make a a career of that, then great, I'll be a happy man. So back to the expedition. Can you talk us through? when a, a pissed up pirate tried to st- steal all your stuff <laughs> and then he shot you, t- shot you twice. I'll, I'll kick off, I guess. We kind of both had 
different roles in the whole situation, so we'll bounce off each other here, I guess. But uh, yeah, we were we were, uh, we left Iquitos, um where we'd been for quite some time, and spent four days going down river and past a place called Pebas. Complexion of a. Uh... What's that guy's name? Who's the Sundance kid? What's the actor? Robert Redford. There you go. Oh, mate, I'll take that. We'll take you. Um, uh, well, sorry, we stood there. I can't remember the dates now, that night, and left there early that morning. And we'd been told by the guy that we'd stayed with in Pebas that if you go downstream, you will probably die. But you get told that all the time. Um, and people have a lot of different fears on the Amazon. Um so we, we just took it as another uh, one of those and um continued downstream and after a little while we were approached by a Pecky Pecky boat, which is a boat that, that they used to well it's just a local canoe basically, a long seven meter canoe with a outboards engine on the back. Um and these guys kind of approached and stopped and then I got a bit closer and stopped and they were right on our stern which is quite unusual because the, the river is about um 1500 meters maybe maybe wider at, at that point so if you're going up and down river you, there's no need to be right on somebody's stern but they were right right behind us so we, we our hackles were raised by that point um and then they pulled alongside us as we've mentioned we were in a catamaran so I was on the left hand hull Ian was on the right they pulled along the left hand side and we had about uh, maybe five to ten minute conversation with them in very broken Spanish. And he he was just using that time to look in our boat and see if we had weapons or see if we were worth the admin of Robin. We had a lot of bags with us. So, he you know, but we'd covered up any expensive equipment, but he must have saw the bags and thought it's worth it. We didn't have our machetes on show either. Um, so long story short, he pulled his pistol Um uh, but by this time he was directly behind us, sort of between the two of us. Um, and he pulled his weapon out, and Ian uh, came in with a throat shot with a paddle, basically. So I'll let you take over there, yeah. He was kind of making motions for us to go off down the, the smaller part of the river. So imagine a massive island uh, right in front of us, and he wanted us to go down the left hand side, which was out of the flow of the river. Um, still probably bigger than the Thames, but it's the smaller part of the river. Um, and that, he was doing that and we basically said no. And he, I think he was beginning to piss us both off. There he then basically yeah, stood up and pulled a pistol out. Um, and sort of before he could get up on aim, I think that's probably what I was thinking about. He wanted to point, point the thing at me. Um, I sort of, yeah, struck him with my paddle high up in the chest. And then I'd sort of, me and John had discussed kind of, I guess, the best best way we can kind of get out of that situation if there's armed or just aggressive men. We're both uh, pretty big, you know, big lads compared to, certainly compared to most Peruvians, um, a lot heavier and we're both very comfortable in the water. So sort of came up with a bit of a, a very rough plan of, well, we'll, you know, hit him with our paddles and then dive underwater and and just capsize their boat. And then we're kind of more in a, an even playing field. Um, obviously when I sit, when I was talking to John about that, I had no idea that that was actually going to happen. And luckily um, I reacted like that and, you know, hit him in the, um, yeah, high up and then dove under the water, came up on the other side. Um, but in that time, so I didn't hear any gunshots at all. So I was, I was completely unaware that um, until we were getting back in our canoes at the end, I was completely unaware that John had even been shot. Um, whereas John heard all, all five gunshots, <laughs> two of them going straight through him. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, I was basically, I came up on the other side of the of the boat, um, pulled it down with with all my weight, um, essentially doing a kind of um, a muscle up from the water, which is obviously a hell of a lot easier. But pulled it down quite um, violently, just to try and capsize them. Um, at that moment, I'm pretty sure the guy in the engine went into the water. And as I came up onto the boat, and as it's filling water, um, I grabbed the the gunman and had a had a bit of a wrestle with him from a slightly precarious position. Um, as the boat was then kind of going over, because it just had its complete full then, and we were going into the water, 
um, that's when John came up like some sort of shark and just uh, plunged this guy under and just got on with the job of disarming him. But I'll let John go back into his bit because uh, obviously I've just, yeah, we had to patch this together a few times after it happened because it was so quick and the adrenaline is you're absolutely you're off your head, you know, on, on adrenaline. So you can't try to patch it together afterwards. It's just, yeah, it's, it was quite quite hard work actually. But yeah, God, John, sorry. <laughs> Like Ian said, he, his reaction to stop the guy from from aiming the pistol initially probably saved uh, one of us from you know getting a a nastier shot. Um, and as soon as, as soon as he's done that, um, I've just advanced on the guy as well. I guess when the guy sort of regains himself after the initial stagger, he's fired a shot um, which uh, didn't hit anyone. I presumed it was aimed at Ian. Um, and then the second shot, I think I've just grabbed, by the time I've grabbed him, he's managed to get his weapon around and the second shot's gone through my shoulder. And then I've gone straight into the water. Um, and then, yeah, I just remember being in the water under their boat, thinking like, which side of their boat am I going to come up on? Because the guy's probably waiting just to shoot me in the head when I when I do surface. Uh, also, like I've been saying as well, there was no pain, like the adrenaline was was uh was massive and and it didn't hit anything serious it hit a nerve i guess which maybe even made it less painful because because i don't know there's very little pain anyway and, and i was able to use my body which was great um and then i came up the other side the same side that ian had come up on and just saw them scuffling so plunged the guy under um and i think my idea was to drown him just had my hand on his head uh pushing him under and then I felt another sort of jolt through my body. Um, I was like, shit, I've been shot again. <laughs> like, this can't happen again. So I just followed, basically trained my hands down his shoulder in the murky water. Um, eyes open, you couldn't see anything. So I was on a guess. I, I followed my hands down his, his arm, found luckily that that was the arm with the weapon in it, and just twisted it out of his hand. And two more shots were fired as, as that happened. Um, and then just kicked away from him. Really, really delighted to have a weapon. It kind of felt like we're in control now. The fear was kind of gone. Um, came up and surfaced and looked at the guy for a second. And uh, Ian was to my left and he shouted, let's go and um, swam back quickly. Uh, in all honesty, the, the weapon um, fired twice underwater and then it jammed. So um, if it hadn't have jammed, who knows what would have happened. But Luckily, it did, and we we uh, swam back, uh, got in our boat, and and um, we found out we had four rounds left, which was again great, uh, a great feeling, like because we didn't know if there was other pirates in the area or or if the the place where we were going to get help, we didn't know if they were going to be hostile or not either. Um, so it was really nice to know that we had had four rounds, but um, yeah, that was kind of the end of it. We're back in the boat, and and paddling as hard as we could uh, to, a, to a community downstream. How did they receive you? Really, w- really well, really nice people. And yeah, like for anyone that's watching, that's thinking about going to Peru, don't let this, uh, don't let this make you make a decision. Otherwise, like it's a great place to go. People are lovely. You can go on adventure holidays there and, and never see any trouble. We were, we were on a, expedition far far away from from many of the the tourist destinations and that's where these things can happen but if you want to go to Akitas or Lima you should you should definitely go you'll go and you'll have a great time and the people are good the the food is amazing so so um keep that in mind don't let this scare you off South America when did the pain start kicking in it didn't really too bad because I had uh we got into the canoe and then um like Ian had said earlier he he basically gave me uh a couple of these uh, dihydrocodone things straight away so I went from adrenaline into being in a quite a nice uh, chilled out state and both shots as I said were really lucky the one in my thigh went through my thigh muscle and out the other side so it was completely just a flesh wound and this one snapped a nerve so maybe that made it even less painful because there was no way for the nerve to tell my brain that it was so I'm not I'm not sure about that but yeah I was I was pretty much well, I wasn't pain free, but it was it was not um you know, not what you'd think. Yeah. Did the one in your shoulder lodge in there? No, both went 
both went straight through. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's like forgetting about all this information now, but when I was swimming back, I had the weapon in my hand and I was thinking both of those shots felt like a jolt, but I feel fine and my body's working and I looked down at the weapon, it's just a small weapon. I was thinking it must be a BB gun or something. <laughs> and then when I got in, Ian, I was told Ian had been shot and he saw the exit wound in, in my back and we're like, oh shit, Like this is obviously a powerful weapon. Going going back to Jan again. Once we, once we got to the to the shore, he was all over it with the with the med kit, um, wrapping me up with because you know, although there wasn't much blood or or pain, it, you know, it still needed uh, pressure and everything else. So he was straight in with that, and we'd had good um, medical training in the core, and then from Liam earlier in the expedition. So Ian was all over it, and um, making sure that I was I was uh, well. Well, just I was fine. I didn't have to do much. I just lay back and let him let him uh, tie t- towels around me. Did you start on the antibiotics, or did they? Did you wait till you got to the so, hospital? As we were paddling towards the community, uh, Ian did the lion's share of the paddling because uh, I was getting a little bit less and less able, um, and I was sending out uh, SOSs to to our friends in Akitos and to to uh, Garmin um, Emergency Response, who they, they were both brilliant and they, they liaised with our emergency contacts back home and uh, everyone sort of came together to to send us the best support. So as soon as we, well, we arrived at the community and within three hours, the Peruvian Navy had sent an armada of support, like hospital ship, gunboats, uh, special, like SEALs uh, came in to, to help and they brought, a couple of field medics and then they basically got a drip in and put me straight on antibiotics and and then re- redid my bandaging and then they the navy gunboat that had a small infirmary and in it took us all the way back to Iquitos all all for nothing like just purely out of knew that we were marines and they were you know they were proving navy so that really really huge thank you to them as well for for doing that and and really asking for nothing from us just just wanted to help us out did you know that this was going to put you guys on hold for a bit? I think it, it took me about two days to realise we were on hold. Uh, I kind of thought, I was trying to think of ways where we could just get in a, a fast boat and somehow complete it, but we wanted to, we'd both made a promise to each other we were going to paddle the whole of the Amazon, which which is from from basically Nauta, uh, which is just upstream of Akitas all the way to the mouth, so We'd made promises to each other, and and we there was like, oh well, we've been shot, so maybe we, <laughs> it's a bit of an excuse to get it done quickly. But but Ian quite sensibly said like we're, we need to go back, and we really did need to go back because I I needed a surgery for a start, but also um, we needed to go and reassure our families. Like they had seen this. SOS come through and for, for quite a few hours they didn't have a clue if we were alive or dead and they just saw this sort of blinking thing in the middle of the river and then then they started hearing information like gunshots and emergency uh, medical emergency and we weren't there to reassure them uh, and we weren't able to reassure them so about a, a day had gone past we got into the uh, Wi-Fi and we were able to see all these messages and it was pretty harrowing reading them, them all of our family members trying to ascertain what had happened from each other so we wanted to go back and reassure them for sure and mm-hmm. i needed to obviously get surgery in the end so it's a good thing we did where did you fly home from uh, we both went into lima and then um ian was able to get lima to i can't remember what was your route ian um yeah to london pretty uh, lima uh bogota and then london Heathrow. Mm. And I spent a couple of days in Lima because my options were better um, to go to Edinburgh a few days later. So, um, uh, but that was after a week of recovering together, and, and um, we're we're both in a good place. About a friend in Lima, which I met up with from the Marines as well. Um, yeah, and then we got home, and uh, it was nice seeing everyone. But I'm I'm kind of itching to get away from all the emails. Yes, <laughs> I, I bet. What was it like dealing with all the media? Um, how do we answer this? Yeah, <laughs> you can imagine it's uh, fraught with um, it's like snakes and ladders, isn't it? It's uh, 
more snakes than ladders, I'd say. Um, but no, it's fine. It's put it, I'll put it this way: the articles that went out and the the interviews that that the BBC um, in particular did with me, they really got our messages right. And they this um, yeah, I, I think they were all very good. But I was a bit annoyed with some of the the headlines in the newspapers. Like we we gave quotes and then they changed the quotes but leave the quotation marks and they say like I think one of them said like I had said I'm a marine and this kind of shit doesn't happen to me something like that it was just like I did not say that hey mate welcome to my like, world it's drama so, <laughs> yeah the most important thing is um is that you you uh, you guys are still smiling <laughs> fellas what's um what's the game plan then looking at getting a, a team together. Uh, a six-man minimum team, really, to go to go back out with. Um, we want to be a big footprint um, to deter this kind of thing from happening again. And as we go further down the river and in, into Brazil, um, there's more reports of these kind of things happening. So we need to make sure we've got the the right team and the right uh, SOPs, I guess, in case in case this kind of thing does happen, and the right equipment. So we go back to. Not square one, but we go back to planning again. Um, we need to fundraise a lot. Uh, we ideally we need a we need a financial sponsor. We have a brilliant equipment sponsor in Tyso who will continue to support us. Um, we need a we need a financial sponsor, and this could be a partnership that would go into the three longest rivers from their highest sources, which is in the game plan to to do the Nile and the Yangtze from their highest sources. Um, so. We want to get this one done. We want to do it within 12 months' time, ideally as soon as possible. Um, we're looking for a team. If you're if you're up to the job, get in touch. You can you can find details through through um, the website, which is going to be at the bottom of of the link. If you said, have you got a fundraiser? We're on uh, Just Giving, which I'll I'll send that link to you as well to put at the bottom. Yes, I'm just looking at it. Um, just looking that- at it now. That's getting split 60-40, so 60% of your donation will be given to the expedition and 40% will go to charity. So, um, yeah, if that link could go at the bottom, great as well. And if for any potential donators, thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, you heard it. Get on a case. Um, well, guys, help I hope... Help us finish it, please. Yeah, well, I hope this... Um, well. I have no doubt you're going to finish it. Expediate things if uh, the good people out there would come and support you. Friends, we're going to put a link below for the uh, just for the just giving page. I'm looking at it now. Both Ian and John, massive, massive thank you. I wish you all the best. If there's any way I can help, please, um, you know, don't hesitate to ask. And uh, thanks very much for having us on, mate. Oh, my, absolutely, my pleasure, my pleasure. Friends at home. Much, much love to you all. Please, please look after yourselves. Um, if you can chuck the podcast a like, that would be really appreciated. And if you can make sure you subscribe, that also helps. Cheers, cheers. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris Thrall. Doctoral. Thank you.